1: welcome Notre Dame fans to another edition of the Irish Breakdown podcast I am Vince D'Addario I am the football analyst here at irishbreakdown.com and join with me as always is our football analyst, I'm sorry, our publisher. See, I, you know, getting everything mixed up today, my friend. I promoted myself. <laughs> He's now officially and has always been the publisher of irishbreakdown.com. That's Brian Driscoll. Brian, how are you doing today, my friend?
2: Doing great, man. Doing great. It's uh, not the prettiest day here in South Bend, so it's a good day for us to be inside doing a podcast.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, you're not kidding. So uh, baseball is on the er- back burner, and mm-hmm. uh, we're going to talk some football, some spring football. And we are just about a third of the way through spring, uh, Brian. We actually and- are
2: a third of the way. We're five practices you're through. You're right. So it's yeah, 15, So we right. are now. Yeah, we're now a third of the way.
1: And... We are going to hit one of our favorite topics, and it's the offensive line. And the the, you know it's offense, obviously that's a big bonus for you and I. But the the offensive line is a big question mark this year, not necessarily because of talent, but because of we don't really know who is going to be lining up. No clue on September fifth.
2: Neither you know who else doesn't have a clue. Uh, The Brian Kelly, Tommy Reese, and Jeff Quinn. Right. I mean, is not a problem now. Right. but it could be later. And that's kind of why we wanted to do this show because we're seeing a lot of opinions being formed among the fan base. I'm sure based on three minute selected video clips is not good, you know, which have had between 15 to 25 clips each of practices where there are over 100 snaps, well over 100 snaps being taken. And so it's kind of like, yeah, usually a, Play as a highlight for someone, which means someone else got beat. It's just you know, right. and so the offensive line's going to struggle. It's going to be right. bad, and so what we wanted to do today was talk about the line, and and what we're going to talk about what we've seen in in films because there is no yeah. problem. I have no issue with people making evaluations based on what they've seen.
0: Sure, sure, sure. But
2: we shouldn't be making sweeping you know conclusions. Like I had somebody say to me, "Well, it's clear Jack Drew Pine's going to be the starter, and Jack Cohn's struggling." Well, what makes you say that? right well drew it's pine's getting reel. all the first team reps uh no he isn't and number yeah. one number one and number two did you think they were going to bring in the grad transfer and just throw them into the number with the number ones on the first practice and you know what kind of message does that send to the returners so i just think we all need to take a deep breath sure evaluate the highlight films have fun looking at the highlight Absolutely. films and there's things we can learn from the highlight films but let's also remember that every position group is in a different stage of its development and that's kind of the focus here in my opinion the offensive line is going to be the lo- the last group to yes, get rolling i agree because of the fact that lost four offensive starters and look if if you think that i'm an anti-quinn person this would be the perfect opportunity for me to come in and say ah oh, see you know and no chris watt and the offensive line is struggling no i expected the offensive line to struggle if harry Hestan was the offensive line coach absolutely they the offensive line would be struggling for two reasons one you have five <laughs> new starters Because remember, Jared Patterson isn't practicing. So your best offensive lineman hasn't taken a snap all spring. Number two you're going against a pretty good flipping defensive line. I mean, we've said on record this has a chance to be Notre Dame's best defensive line or one of their best defensive lines, and they're going against a bunch of guys that are moving around and a bunch of new dudes. So they haven't played. So what were you expecting? If the offensive line was dominating right now, I'd be freaking super concerned about how bad the defense was going to be this season. No question. Because that's where we're at it. And so that's kind of the purpose of today's podcast is we want to talk about where the line is right now what the expectation should be for the line right now, what we've seen on film, and then some of the things that that are happening on the offensive line, what are the good things about it, what are the negative things about it, and then uh, you know we're going to have some fun with it at the end and make a prediction. So that's yeah. why today we're, we're kind of talking about the line again because there's just a lot of – I'm seeing a lot of angst amongst folks that are – well, the offensive line is really struggling. And I'm like, yeah, that's kind of a good thing yeah, because right. if it wasn't, then I'd be really. That would say a lot more about the defensive line than it would the offensive line. So I, I want to ask
1: you. You you kind of brought it up. What our kind of our outline is going to be, but I want to I want to start there. I want to start with a where should the line be right now? Trying to replace four starters, and where are they right mm-hmm. now? Trying to play replace four starters because I think those are two separate questions. So mm-hmm. I want to get your opinion on on that first.
2: Well, where I actually think, based on some of the conversations I've had and some of the stuff we've seen on film, I actually think they're in a, in a decent place right now. I, I think, you know, again, there's the expectation, and then there's where they are. If you're just evaluating on their play, where, where right. they are for right. evaluating on the play is a different answer. Where where they are, and I'm actually encouraged by it. I think we've seen some guys that maybe the coaches weren't expecting to necessarily be as as good as they've been as they okay. are. Uh, you know, Blake Fisher, for example, as a freshman, I'm hearing a lot of great things about him from people that have been at practice. You know, I think he's a little further along than they thought he would be. I think a veteran like Dylan Gibbons is battling a little harder to keep that job maybe than some people thought he would be. Uh, so there are some positives, but at the same time, that's based on expectation. The expectations were super low for this period in the spring. Now, when we get to August and September, the conversation needs to change. Sure, absolutely. But this is where you should expect this group to be because, like, you know, you say, well, you're replacing, you know, all two of your three starting receivers. Well, receivers have to work together in that they all all have their own individual responsibility. Now, you have to understand what the other guy is doing. And I talked about this in the receiver podcast yesterday, Vince, where – if I am running a, you know, the 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 smash part of a smash concept, I have to know what the corner routes responsibilities are cuz this is going to impact how I run my route. Spacing I can't just and all that get open, yeah. you know. Yeah. And so <clears throat> offensive line, so you're but you're still doing your job. Correct. And, and your your success is determined 100% by you and and then of course the quarterback throwing you the ball. On the offensive 100%. line, it's literally five parts as one it's like a hand i mean you know you you have five fingers but it makes up one hand and if one of them is broken then you're not going to be as effective or if one of them's not you know doesn't work or, or whatever it's not going to be as effective Good analogy. and so thank you and that's what's different about the offensive line compared even the defensive line they work together but they're not dependent upon each other as much as you have the offensive line and so
1: well yeah, and, I, and i would even say just to uh, expound on that the defensive line even works with the linebackers, too. Those two really work together, whereas the offensive line, those are five dudes that have to be on the same page. You can add in in a tight end there a little bit, but sometimes he's split out. He's not always there. So those five offensive linemen have to be on the same page. They have to be moving as one group.
2: Right, and they affect each other more. So you talk about the defensive line working with the linebackers. If a a guy lines up in a three technique and his job is to slant in the A-gap, he can slam the A gap whether the linebacker does his job and goes to the B gap or or not, and and now it they both impact the success of the play, right? If the linebacker doesn't do his job, it impacts. So we're saying what receiver and and so it's not about well that it doesn't impact the the result of the play, but what right. uh, what I am saying is it does impact what me doing my job as a guard. If my if I'm thinking I'm getting help. And everything in offensive line play, especially Notre Dame, is as much zone as they run. There's there's teamwork involved. If I think I'm doing this, and then so I I step with one hand because I'm thinking I'm just using the flipper on a guy, right? Or I'm just you know maybe I get time to work across his body. I don't have to reach him right away. But the right tackle I'm working with leaves too soon. Right then I'm going to look like I got my butt kicked. Right. Exactly. Oh, did you see the right guard just get blown up the field? No, that wasn't the right guard's fault. He was thinking he was going to have help to his outside. He took a double team step. That's what he's supposed to do. Right. And so, you know, that's that's where I say there's a much greater impact on everyone has to be on the same page. And it takes time. It takes time for this group to get to that level. And so, anyone that's worried about the offensive line through five practices shouldn't be. <laughs> if we're still as concerned today as you know on on May first as we are today, then I get a little bit nervous. Sure. And if I start hearing things in mid August about how the offensive line is getting whipped every day, then I'm going to get a little bit nervous. But on practice five, and they're going actually through practice six as at the time of we're recording this, they're wrapping up practice six. Uh, you know, it's one of those things where I'm just not as I'm just not as concerned about it right now because this is where I expected them to be. I expected them to be behind Mm -hmm. the other groups and that's just, I mean, it's okay. It's, it's, it's okay. It's give it time. Uh, now as far as the other part of that question, Vince, I, I think, I I think the, where they should be part of that question is, is
1: very multi-layered and we're going to get into it a little bit moving forward. But I think, they're not even sure what each guy – what each position each guy is playing. Right. Come come fall. Right. Right? So I think that that they're really not, affects – They're not even
2: the, what guys are going to be by the end of the spring.
1: Right. And then that affects the the play of, okay, well, I'm not sure who's going to be to my right. I'm right. not sure who's going to be to my left. So I don't have enough time to really you know gel with those guys. And, I, again, we're going to get into that a little bit deeper in a second. But I think that has a lot to do with it. And I think that you're going to see – some missed assignments and some, some missteps early because, mm-hmm. you know, is Josh Lug going to stay at right guard? I don't know. It, he, at right we know tackle, getting, you mean? Or right tackle. I mean, we don't know. Like, You know what I mean? He's going to get right. reps at both. And so, you know, that there's a lot going on there, and it takes time. It just once they settle on where everybody's going to be, then you can start making some – criticisms or some praises and things because then they can start working together more often so we do get the three minute videos brian and it's kind of funny because a lot of it looks a little bit like nfl films Mm -hmm. you know following the ball in the air and you know things of that nature and it's a very tight uh a tight picture and so Mm -hmm. it is very difficult to analyze the offensive line at least from my standpoint uh i'm sure you are much better at it than i am no but it is very difficult with the video that they're giving us okay so from the limited amount of video that we get and the limited views and the tight views and the you know the nfl films look of it all um what are you taking away from the film up to this point
2: through five practices well i think the one is that the offensive line is getting tested by fire I mean, <laughs> oh my
0: gosh.
2: You know, <laughs> that's a great place to start, by the way. Hey, hey, Tosh Baker. Um, you're a redshirt freshman. You played seven snaps last year. We're gonna have you go against Isaiah Foskey all day or the whole day. time. Yes. And when we take him out, we're gonna put in Jordan Patelho you know, and who just plays like a maniac. So you know, hey, good luck with that, right? right. <laughs> and, and and that's a good thing. Hey, uh Dylan Gibbons and Andrew Kristoffic and Quinn Carroll and you know, you guys are trying to win the guard job. Hey, have fun blocking Jason Adam and Kurt right. every day. Right. You know, and, and yeah, it's a it's a it's a battle. They're losing a lot, but that's how you learn. I Absolutely. mean, it's just like we talked about the quarterback. You know, you try to make a throw and you get picked off. You say, Okay, well, I, I thought I could make that throw. Now I know. Right. I'd rather you think you can make it and try it in practice in March than try that on you know, a Saturday in September where you think, well, you know what? I think I can make that throw. Nope. Nope. Couldn't make it in practice. Can't make it now. Right. And that's the, that's a good thing about practice. And you say, okay, well, I'm getting my butt whipped by some really good players. So what do I got to do to get better? What do I got to do to get on that level? Where's my technique lacking? Is my timing lacking? Is my, you know, my angle of departure lacking? And I think we're seeing a lot of that. We're seeing guys thinking that, You know, hey, I'm pass setting. I I see Tosh Baker pass set, and he thinks he's in good position. And all of a sudden, oh wow, that number seven guy's a lot faster than I thought, and I got to get to him. Um, And and so, those are the things that they're struggling with, and I think it is a struggle. You know, we're seeing Blake Fisher do some really good things, but then we see him just having trouble with the speed, sure, on the outside, which is what I expect from a freshman. I think the concerning thing for me, I guess, if I am going to say an area where I am concerned so far, is the interior guys are getting whipped a lot from from just on the film we've seen i mean they, they could be ripping off 60 yard runs and the other practice the other clips right. we're not seeing, right for all we know but i think at least some of those would make it onto the i <laughs> like tape i think that says a lot about how good the defensive tackles are and we've been raving we've been, about yeah, how good gonna the D say, tackles are going to be right but i i think i think another part is just and we'll get into this a little bit but how much they're moving guys around is making it very hard for those guards to get situated and and uh, you know, I, I, that's concerning for me. And I think we're seeing Zeke Corral needs to continue to improve. There's areas improvement needed for his game, <clears throat> but I also think they're competing and they're battling. And, and yep. what I do like from the film, and this is where you can learn a little something about alignment is when guys are getting beat, they're still battling. They're still trying to keep hands on you know, there's a play I saw. I think it might've been a Tyler Buckner play. where are looking like two, three offensive linemen got beat, but I don't think it would have been a sack in a game because they, they, they fought to stay engaged. And so even though they got beat up the field, it allowed Tyler Buckner to get out of the pocket. Right, right. That's, 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 that's progress. Because the first practice or two, we, we were not seeing that. We were seeing like a meet-me-at-the-football party from the front set, from yeah. the front floor. Which is but, fun to see if you're watching for the defense.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, and I would, I would rather have it this way because we know what the defense should be. Yeah. And we know what the offense is trying to be. And so yeah. you you have to expect the defense to be better, and this is only going to make the offense yeah. line better moving forward to go against this kind of competition. Because I, I would rather have that than right, you know Tosh Baker just dominating whatever defensive end that they, that Notre Dame can bring out, and then they get into a real game. And they're like, oh, this is what game speed is, right. and then they're just getting beat the whole time. Right. And you get complacent when that happens. You know what I mean? And so mm-hmm. I'm okay with them just bringing. And, and just over heat and over up. and over because we're going to
2: see that in the regular season. Yeah. Vince, it reminds me a lot of, and, and you tell me if you agree or disagree with this, but this reminds me a lot of the situation that the defensive line found themselves in in the spring of 2017, Mike Elko's first spring. And he kind of talked about that. Like, you know, you're going to have a lot of come to Jesus moments when you're playing on the defensive line and you're going against, you know, Quentin Nelson and Mike McGlinch and Alex sure. Mars and, and Sam Mustafer in that group. I mean, because that was a d- darn good offensive line, and yes. and you know, there's no Quentin Nelson on the defensive line. But the point is, this is a really talented right. and group, and talented and there are team. guys on the defensive line that are battling for jobs. I mean, right. Myron Tongavaloa, Justin Adamuola, Jason Adamuola, Riley Mills. I mean deception of kurt heinish and isaiah foskey i mean there's still a lot of uh, you know questions about who's gonna you know is jason adamiola is he's gonna play but he's gonna get 20 reps he's gonna start getting 50 reps yeah, you know right absolutely and so there's a lot of competition there and there's a lot of linebackers battling for jobs so th- they're going against guys that are also fighting for things and so i think it's it is that kind of same trial by fire and i think that made that 2017 defensive line better Having to go against Quentin Nelson and Mike McGlinchey every day, it's why that group, I think, played a little better than a lot of people thought going into that next season because there was a lot of new guys there. Remember, the 2016 defensive line had Romeo Aguara on it. It had Isaac Rochelle on it. It had Jerron Jones on it. It had a lot of veteran players that were gone. And so, you know, you had Dalen Hayes stepping into a more prominent role, Julian Aguara, Khalid Kareem, guys that were primarily backups in the past. We're now Jonathan Bonner's another one. We're now being thrust into prominent roles. And, and Jerry Tilley was the only kind of quote unquote returning starter type of player coming back from that group. So that group had to learn the hard way of what it right. takes to be play big boy football. And that's what the offensive line is going through. And I think that's a great thing for them. And yep. like you said, Vince, keep turning up the heat. Yep. I think there comes a time and a place where you need to give them a practice where you're setting them up, setting them up for success. And I think that is a thing that Jeff Quinn, Tommy Reese, Marcus Freeman, and Mike Elson need to sit down one of these days and say, hey, look, my guys, you know, the defensive coach say, Hey, my guys are feeling pretty good about themselves. We, you know, we need to, you know, let's let's really make it harder on them today. What can you guys do? And hey, you know what? My guys need some success. They've been getting their butts whooped a lot. They need they need some they need some positives. And and you work on that. So, hey, we're gonna do some things today. We're gonna purposely put them in bad calls on the defensive line. And see how they learn, see how they battle. So, I mean, there are times when you want to set your offensive lineman up for success. You don't just sure. want to get get their get the dog kicked out of them every single day. <laughs> but at some point in time, you say, okay, what are you going to do about it? Are you just going to sit back and keep getting whooped every day? Or are you gonna Are you gonna figure something out? Right. And I think that this is a great testing period, and this is what spring ball is for. Like, I, I just wish that people understand spring ball is not about are getting ready to go play a game on Saturday. I, I don't care if an if a quarterback throws a pick. I, I don't care if an offensive lineman gets beat. I don't care if a d- cornerback gets beat. We don't know what they're working on that. Day. Exactly. They may be. They may be in a period where they're saying, "Hey, look, we're going to play press man today, and we're going to really stress our, put him in a lot of tough spots." You know, and and coaches do that all the time. Good coaches do anyway. They don't always design practice for success. And I don't think that's always – I mean, there are days to do that, but there are days you're going to say, hey, look, you throw everything at us. I, I remember, Vince, I've told you this. This was even during the season. Uh, you know, I had an, uh, my head coach, Joe Fincham at Wittenberg. I was running scout team, and he said – he's like, he's like, Driscoll, I want you to throw everything you can think of at us today. And I'm, I'm just designing nice. the, just the most bizarre blitzes and just and, – and, and it was just – because this point was is if – we need to throw some fire at them because if they can figure that out, then when we get to – when we get to Saturday, we're going to be all right, right? Well, the spring is an exaggerated version of that because there is no game you have to worry about. It's we got to figure out who we have. What do we have? We, you know, we we got to figure out how's this guy going to handle getting burnt a few times. You know, so so hey, Coach Reese, what are you guys running to, working on today? Oh, we're working on this concept. Okay, cool. During this period, we're going to get ourselves in the worst possible calls imaginable and see
0: how guys handle it. That's what I. Just go to Indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
2: I think coaches should do, and, and good coaches do. You don't do it all the time. And so when you look at the offensive line, this is about them learning. This is about trial by fire. This is about seeing not only who handles it physically, right. but who handles it mentally well. Yes. And, and that's where they're at. So if the offensive line wasn't getting whooped right now, Vince, I'd be very, very concerned. And, and it's going to make them better. And Like I said, it's it's we saw this with the defensive line in 2017 when they had to go against Quentin Nelson and Mike McGlinchey and those guys, and Alex Barr, Sam Mustapher, Tommy Kramer, Robert Hainsey every yep. single day.
1: Brian, I, I tell you what, let's take a quick break. Uh, we got to hear from one of our sponsors. And, uh,
2: and we'll be right back after that short break. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcast.
1: So, Brian, one of the things that I want to get your opinion on, and we, we've tossed it around a little bit uh, during the the pre-spring uh, talks that we've had, uh, Brian Kelly was very upfront with the fact that they're going to be moving guys around, guys are going to be not necessarily out of position, but they're going to have guys at multiple positions, mm-hmm. and, and they're I guess they're trying to figure out who's going to be the best fit where and, and all of that. What are the advantages to moving everybody around? And then what are the negatives to just moving everybody around? And I, I, think, I think you and I are on the same page with this, but I'm, I'm very interested to see what your opinion is. Because I've got, I've got something for both, that's for sure.
2: I think it depends on the player. Yeah, I, and fair. I think for a guy like Blake Fisher, I'm, I'm fine moving him to a different position every day and, and letting him learn a little bit because he's not necessarily competing for a starting job. He could win a starting job, but he's not necessarily going into the spring thinking you're going to compete sure. for a starting job. I think when you get in the situation, the positives are you're, you're seeing who can fit somewhere. I mean, right. you may not know a guy could play a position until you move him there. Yeah, sure. if they hadn't tried this with Jarrett Patterson, we wouldn't. He he wouldn't have been who he was. He'd probably sure. still be a backup if they w- didn't give exactly him that right. shot to be a starter. We'd be like, well, how's this Patterson kid gonna gonna handle now that Lee Michaelberg and Robert Hanzy are gone? So you y- you do that and you see it. Well, who's comfortable somewhere? You, right. Hey, this guy's been a right on the right side his whole career. Let's put him on the left side, and he's like, wow, this guy plays even better left-handed than he does right-handed. And some guys, you move over there and you're like, yeah, he can't play left handed at all. And, and and that matters for offensive linemen, you know, because your, your stance is the opposite. I've yep. said this before. It's like yep. being a right handed hitter your whole career and, and then trying to move step to the is left. Different. Hand. You, I mean, right. your first step is different. Right. You're, you're, your eye you're, discipline yes. is different. You know, everything yep. is different. And then you switch to being a left handed hitter. It's going to feel awkward. Some people can figure it out and become switch hitters, some people can't. And so you have to learn that. You, you, you learn who can do what. I mean, I think there's right. only been ever been one lineman in, in history that had a legitimate reason to be only one-sided. That was probably – remember Bob Whitfield for the Falcons? He was, like, blind in one eye, so he could, he could only play left tackle? <laughs> That'll do yeah, he was Serious. <clears throat> and so, I, you know, I, I think that that's a positive, but I also think that if you think certain guys are competing for starting positions, you need to leave them there. So, you know, they I'm told that Andrew Kristoff is competing for the starting left job left t- left guard job with Dylan Gibbons. Well, Dylan Gibbons is playing guard for now going into his fifth year. Andrew Kristofic's been playing tackle his first two years. Right. So, right. If he's going to learn guard enough to be legitimately contending against L- Dylan Gibbons or John Dirksen, then you got to give him a lot of guard reps and moving him between guard and center guard and center doesn't make a lot of sense for me because to me, you can cross train him later in spring and then in the summer on snapping. You, you you don't need to spend a lot of reps doing that now. I said, Well, you don't have a lot of centers. Well, then put a walk on there or something like that. Because right. you're trying to figure out who your starting lineup, what your starting lineup is. And to me, you can the 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 concern is that you can run the risk of not getting guys to develop at a position. And you say, Well, you know, Andrew Kristoffic's not starting because he didn't play as well as Dylan Gibbons. Well, did you give him the opportunity to really learn and grow at a position that Dylan Gibbons has been playing for four years that he's kind of, never played
1: kind of a Jack that, of all trades, master of none. Yes, situation. exactly. Yeah.
2: And and that guys not winning a starting job at a place like Notre Dame. And, and that's the concern for me. You know, Brian Kelly talked recently about how, you know, they moved Quinn Carroll back out to tackle. Well, you just moved him to guard, you know, so when's he going to get a chance to get comfortable? And so it just, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I, th- to, to move all the guys all the time. Um, well, let me rephrase that. I get it. I think it makes some sense through 5, but at the, pretty soon they're going to have to say okay, well we've given Kristoffak enough center reps, we need to now let him focus on guard.
1: Yeah. You know, definitely. we've
2: we've given Quinn Carroll enough tackle reps, we need to let him focus on guard. And and that that, that was going to be my point,
1: Brian. And I, mm-hmm. I didn't mean to jump on you, but I did. Go for so, it. Um, you, you did. You might as well just, just <laughs> turn into the
2: skid, man. Turn into the skid. Uh,
1: but that's my point. Spring is for uh, the beginning of spring is for experimentation. Mm-hmm. And I have no problem with that whatsoever. Because like you said, some guys, you know, right away when you put them in a position, that's not going to happen. You know, that's not it's just not going to work. And we tried it, and we're going back to what we were doing mm-hmm. before. And then there's some guys that, hey, mm-hmm. man, this is, we can give this a shot. you know, kind of I kind of like this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so that's what the beginning of spring is for. Mm-hmm. And I had the first five practices, first six practices, yes, you experiment. you put guys all over the place, specifically with the offensive line. No problem with that. Once you hit about the halfway point, now it's time to start focusing on where you think that they are going to help mm-hmm. you. The most. And so, like you said, if Christoph is going to be battling for that guard position for a starting guard position, Mm -hmm. that's where he focuses. If he's battling for the starting guard and then the backup center job makes no sense. the, The backup center job doesn't matter right this second. Right. Right. Because. Worst case scenario, you put Jared Patterson in a in right. center. So, I mean, you've got center, okay? I realize when you're putting the second team and the third team, you need a body. But like you said, you can put a walk-on in there. there there's plenty of guys you can put in there to fill a spot. Let him compete. Let him compete for that job. If the, if that's where you think he can help the most, you let him compete. Josh Lug, for example, they've got him out at right tackle right now. I personally think he might be a better guard. So, Are they, you know, they're telling us that they're going to move him back over there. That's great. They should be moving him back and forth
0: right right
1: now, not staying in that one spot and then staying in that spot. He should be going back and forth. And then you tell, okay, where is he going to help us the most? Or where does he have the best shot? Now, he's potentially the best guy at both positions. I get that. But where is the, the next guy? With the best Yeah, wh- where where
2: does him lining up
1: make us the best as a unit? Correct. That. Thank you for uh, putting some English to what I was saying. Um, I know what
2: you were trying to <laughs> say. I got you. I read you. I'm with you.
1: But that's. I'm fine with the first six, seven practices doing. You know, bouncing guys around, figuring out where everybody fits. But the
2: second half you need to have some stability. And See, you need for me, to I'm, I'm at, this is the point for me. I'm actually a little quicker on the draw than for me than, okay. than that. It'd be one thing if you're talking about a guy that is competing for a starting job. That's a little different. So if if they think Quinn Carroll, for example, let's just use Quinn, Quinn Carroll, for example. If they okay. think he can compete for a job, they're just not sure if it's going to be guard or tackle yet, then then switch them, move them, G- give them some reps at both. The The issue that I have are the guys that are the cr- kind of the cross-training for center. Like, if Michael Carmody is potentially a center for you then get then get him some center reps cross train him at center and tackle no problem with that so it's it's this this my concern isn't for everyone my concern is more for the people that you view as starting as competing for a starting job because carmody's not competing for a starting job well i mean i mean most likely not if, if he stands out then sure but i i think he's a guy that could potentially be in that that place, but like his, his situation is a little different than Christophic's to your point. Quinn Carroll's situation is a little bit different. And so for me, I'm no longer wasting Chris, not wasting time. That, that sounds really rough and that's not how I mean it. I'm not going to now focus on cross training Andrew Christophic anymore until we get to the summer and we get to, you know, maybe fall camp and then you do it a little bit differently. I'm now saying, okay, we got you some work there. We, we have a general idea of what you can do at center. Now we're going to let you focus on left on guard, whether it's left or right. And now if you want to move him between left and right guard, that's a little different deal. Cause both of those jobs are open, but he needs to now get reps at just guard moving forward. Right. And, and that's where he needs to be. Now, one thing that I would like for that, and I am curious about is I, I, I am curious if they're doing anything with Tosh Baker, at right tackle. I've not seen any snaps of him at right tackle. Yeah. yeah. It I'm, it, it, there's two ways to look at him and this one's a little bit tougher. Number one is he's just five practices in. So let's give him more time at left tackle. The other one is at what point in time do we say, I think Tosh is ready to, to play, but I don't know if he's ready to protect the backside of the quarterback and say, let's get him at right tackle and then we'll give Blake some left tackle reps and, you know, just to get him some work. But Jarrett Patterson's going to be our left tackle. Right. right. It, because Blake's just not quite ready yet. And so you're going to start him at right tackle, and then that's where you could maybe see him and Blake Fisher kind of playing in a similar role to what we saw from Kramer and Hainsy back in 2017. Absolutely. So that's kind of what I'm curious to see how that goes, uh, because I just I know why they want to to force the issue with Blake Fisher at left tackle. There's the attractiveness of having a six eight really athletic kid on the b- the backside, but. I think that's also a lot of pressure for a redshirt freshman. And it's a lot of pressure that the only left tackle we've seen do that as a redshirt freshman was Zach Martin. And, like, Ronnie Stanley started at right tackle as a redshirt freshman. You know, Mike McGlinchey started at right tackle as a redshirt sophomore, I think, is when he first got his first gig. Actually, he was a redshirt freshman when he got that start against a little LSU in the bowl game. Then the next year, 2015, he was a redshirt sophomore when he was when he became a full time starter at right tackle. Then he moved to the left side. Yep. Liam Eikenberg never really played right tackle, at least not like in a starting role, but he got some reps at right tackle. But he also didn't get a starting job until he was a redshirt sophomore at left tackle. So it's a little different situation. So that's the one I'm really interested to see. That's still the, the question mark for me because I understand why they haven't moved Blake yet. And I don't even know if now is the time to consider moving him to right tackle. You may just say, hey, let's go through all 15 and let him get work there and then see what we got at right tackle. And then you can say, okay, let's work on now going into the spring. Jarrett's back. We're, we're going to slide Jarrett in there and you're going to be the right tackle and, and see how that goes. And then at what? And if, and if Jarrett is locking down a spot and you've got, I mean, if uh, B- Tosh is locking down a tackle spot, and you know that Josh Luck can play tackle, and you anticipate Jarrett Patterson I one of tackle spots, at what point in time do you start giving Blake Fisher some guard reps to compete a sure. guard? Sure. That's the other part of this. So there's still a lot of questions to be determined, you, Vince, well, and, yeah. and there's still guys that, that should get some movement. But again, that movement is designed to give them reps at positions where they're going to be starting. Mm-hmm. So that's the difference. The moving around for guys that are cross-training to be a backup at a position if you have a need Right. That needs to stop now. I understand why they did it. I get it. But that needs to stop now. And, you know, unless it's like a situation like, hey, Andrew Kristoff, looks great at center and Zeke Carell. Maybe we need to move him to guard and, you know, let him battle somewhere else. I, maybe something like that, but I don't see that. Yeah. And Brian Kelly has said Zeke's the starting center for right now. So I want to see those guys like Andrew Kristoff at Quinn Carroll start focusing just on the positions that they're competing to start at. And that's why for Kristoffik, that means keep him at guard. For Carroll, that means you know, guard and tackle. So, again, it's not a blanket rule. It has to be applied differently yeah. to everybody based on where they are and their development. I'm okay. I'm, I'm okay <coughs> if you want to play Michael Carmody at center guard and tackle at different times because you're still trying to figure out where he best fits. I get it because he's not necessarily competing for a starting job. If you want to move Caleb Johnson around, I'm, I'm fine with that. If you want to give Rocco Spindler some snaps to center and tackle and guard, I'm fine with that because I don't think Rocco's at a place yet where he's really competing for a starting job. Christophic, however, needs to start getting exclusive guard reps. Now, you can go right-left. He starts. He needs to start getting exclusive guard reps, in my opinion. So playing off your opinion, what... <laughs> <is that? laughs> you like that? Yes.
1: Uh, so what is your... Right now, as we sit here, April 8th, Right. Where, and they're like you said, they just finished the sixth practice. What is your ideal offensive line?
2: I want to hear you. I want to hear you give your. (laughs) Oh, you're
1: turning it around. That's fine. I got Mm -hmm. it written down. I don't know if you noticed. I was taking some notes over here while Mm -hmm. we were talking. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and and I, I, mentioned. So so
2: the question, Vince, are you talking about ideal starting line now? Are you talking about projecting based on what we know right now? What is the ideal line for when they play Florida State? What's, what's the.
1: I, I for when they start against Florida state. Okay. So we're, we we have to project a little bit. Okay. Uh, because guys are still moving around and, and, and things of that nature, but where would we be the most comfortable with the five guys that are on the field mm-hmm. on September 5th?
2: Okay. Okay. All right. and you first.
1: All right. So I think, I think we can both agree. Jarrett Patterson at left tackle. We're both pretty comfortable with that. Uh, I think we're both pretty comfortable. with Zeke Corral at center. I don't think that there's any doubt that those two are pretty locked in. We know Josh Lug is going to start. It's whether he's going to start at guard or whether he's going to start at tackle. Me, and I, and I know that there's a bit of a disagreement here, but I like Josh Lugg at right guard. So I'm, I'm fitting him in at guard. And then I, I, I have to say, and, and you've convinced me, that Tosh Baker is the guy for right tackle. And I love the idea of a young guy starting at right tackle and then eventually moving over to left tackle. So I like him there. Left guard is probably my biggest question mark um, because I think that there's talent there. I love the fact that you told me what you're hearing is that Dylan Gibbons is fighting his butt off for that spot. I love that. And so to be honest with you, I'm fine with either Dylan Gibbons or Christoph starting at left guard uh, right now. At the moment, since I've heard that he's fighting hard, you know, he's a fifth year, wants that spot. Big strong kid too. I think that's fantastic, yeah. and so I, I'm I'm kind of rooting for him to get the spot. To be honest with you, so uh, I'm good with either Gibbons or Kristoffic there at left guard. Uh, but I think that would be my line moving forward.
2: We're pretty much on the same page. You know, I I would like to see Jarrett Patterson at left tackle. And look, Tosh is the left tackle of the future. There's I no agree. doubt. I mean, I, I had him that. ranked as a top 50 recruit. I just feel like you know, don't mess with what's worked for you, and and, and what's worked for you is you know not throwing. Uh, a young guy into the mix. I think Zach Martin to me was a bit of an anomaly. Yeah, and, and Zach Martin was also thrust into a situation where, when he started at left tackle, you had terrible offensive line depth, and you were you were in a brand new program. It was True. Brian yeah, Kelly's no first year, Harry stands first year. I mean, no, right. that was uh, Ed Warner's first year. Oh, yeah, that's right. As the offensive line coach, and and who was going to start if it wasn't Zach Martin? You didn't right. have the options and the depth that you have now. So I I like that right tackle. I think you know kind of easing them into that starting lineup, taking a little bit of the pressure. If they are going to be inconsistent, let that inconsistency be right in the quarterback's face. Yeah. Because then, as a quarterback, I, you can see. I, it. I, yes, I would much <laughs> rather be comfortable with the left side, my blind side, that even in a shotgun. I yeah. still would feel it's not quite as important in a shotgun. But it's still a, important because you're does, not
1: dropping. Correct. When you drop, you've got your back to that side. Right. The whole time, unless you're doing that weird, like straight back, drop back Which thing, but I don't think anyone
2: does that anymore. Right. It's like so 1970s and 1980s. Yeah, right. um, I think for me, but even in shotgun, you're still turning and squaring up at some point in time, it, right? And and I'm st- and there's still a lot of wide rushing coming, and and also Notre Dame does enough under center to where you know they're not sure. like Ohio State; they're not exclusively in the shotgun. <clears throat> so I, I they do things under center, and so I think that would be why i just would want the more veteran players and i I get it length and all that kind of stuff i just i would get the more i would like to have the more veteran player back there and and if look and if you get to the first couple weeks of fall camp and Jarrett patterson can't play left tackle and you just move tosh back there so be it yeah but i i would give tosh all the left tackle reps in the spring or at least a lot of them maybe get a little bit of work at right tackle late in the spring just to give him a taste and see how he does playing right-handed because you want to have an idea going into the summer if he can even get in the right absolutely because i don't know if he's Done that, but I mean, he's a left tackle in high school, and he's a left tackle now. So, I mean, you you need to get a taste of that. But I'd like to see uh Jared Patterson left tackle. I'd like to see uh you know, I I get what you're saying about Dylan Gibbons. I get it. I I think that if Dylan Gibbons wins the job, I'm fine with that. Totally fine with that. I yep. still think that Andrew kristovic has the higher ceiling. Sure. At some point that. in time, your potential has to become production, and if you Absolutely. can't beat out Dylan Gibbons and then Dylan Gibbons is clearly the better player. So I just want to see him get that opportunity because if Dylan Gibbons wins the job in that circumstance, then you say the best man won the job. Yep. But if Dylan Gibbons wins the job because they continue to move Andrew Kristofic around every day, then you you say, well, did you really have a competition there where you had everyone at their best? And then you start to ask some questions. So I think even for Dylan Gibbons, it'd be good to allow Andrew Kristofic to just be there. Because then if he wins the job, you know he won the job. Center, Zeke Carell. Obviously, we've talked about that one. That one, to me, is a no-brainer for now. Yeah. Right, right guard, Josh Lugg uh, is, is where I'd put him. And then right tackle, I'd have Tosh Baker at right tackle. And then what I would like to see happen is to have Tosh and Blake Fisher both getting right tackle reps. I don't know if I would advocate for what we saw in 2017, With where it was the, literally every, every, other, every series. other series. Yeah. But I would at least maybe go every third, you know, something like that, where it's a legitimate rotation where you're letting both of those guys. I mean, we've seen it work, right? The only year Notre Dame did that, they won the Joe Moore Award. Sure, no. absolutely. Yeah. And it wasn't just because they had Quentin Nelson and Mike McGlinchey. It was a big part of it. But Sam Mustafer was pretty flipping good that year. Alex Bars. Was pretty freaking good that year. And the right tackles played well that year. I mean, I still remember Tommy Kramer against Michigan State in 2017. You remember that, Vince? He had so he had like multiple pancakes. I remember the one long run that they had. And remember, Michigan State that year finished second nationally in in rush defense. Notre Dame went for like a buck eighty something. And that was with Josh Adams getting hurt. Dexter Williams got hurt. Tony Jones was already out because he got hurt the week before against Boston College. He had Deion McIntosh playing almost the entire second half, and they still went for a buck eighty plus. And I remember the one long run Josh Adams had in the first half before he got hurt, where Tommy Kramer just comes off, and I think it was that Kenny Willickis kid. It was like an All Big Ten guy, drove him like seven yards down the line, and then just planted him. And Josh Adams cut right behind him. And so what that allowed them to do was you had Hansey was a better pass blocker, Kramer was the better run blocker. So like when they'd get in like two minute situations or situations where they had to they had to throw it more, even if Kramer had it was Kramer series they put right. Robert Hansey back in. Well, that's a very similar thing to what I see now, where Tosh Baker's more of a pass blocker, Blake Fisher's probably more advanced as a run blocker. And so it, it gives you – so there may be some weeks where maybe Blake plays a little bit more sure. at right tackle because you're trying to run it. But I, I like that kind of rotation at right tackle. You have a veteran player on the, in the inside of him, which is also true in 2017 because remember Alex Barr started in 20s. He was a second-year starter. Uh, so you have a Josh Lugg, who's not technically a returning starter but has nine career starts under his belt. He's a fifth-year senior. And then you've got, you know, you've you've got your 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 stud at left tackle. So to me that's that would be my ideal offensive line based on what we know right now. Yeah. That right. would that would be what what I'd like to go. With.
1: Let, let me ask you a caveat question to this. If if Tosh Baker doesn't pan out at right tackle, do you move Josh Lug to right tackle and let people battle it out for guard?
2: I'd probably still move I I think the thing with Josh Lug is you need to play him where you think he's going to be the best. Sure. That, that that to me is where is what I would say. Play okay. him where you think he's going to be the best. But, but they say, okay, well, then who's going to be the right tackle? That's a good question. And, and that's the tough spot the Notre Dame finds themselves in. And that's why they need to give Blake Fisher every opportunity this spring sure. to prove that he can play the position or not. I don't know if I would love the fa- the idea of Blake Fisher being a full-time starter at right tackle. Mm-hmm. But if he's, if he wins the job, he wins the job. If I mean, he wins he's a, the job, he's that's incredibly great. talented yeah. player. I mean, he was my number one offensive recruit in the 2021 class, so I'm, sure. I'm not going to be shocked. And he's, he's got a bit of an advantage on most freshmen in that he's our. I mean, if anything, most freshmen come into Notre Dame, they got to gain weight. Blake Fisher's coming to Notre Dame saying, if I drop five or ten pounds, that's only going to be better for me because he's just such a big. I mean, just naturally a huge kid if you've ever been up close and personal with Blake Fisher you realize I mean he's just monstrous giant head big broad shoulders big arms big waist big hips you know big feet I mean big huge hands I mean he's just a big kid he's big not kid, like this yeah. giant fat kid that you need to you right, know, work right, 40 right. pounds off that's he's just he's just big he's a lot like Quentin Nelson I mean Quentin Nelson was three I mean he's what 340 now in the NFL you look at Quentin Nelson he ain't fat Right. No. Nope. You know what I mean. No. Nope. He's, he's just, just thick. He's monstrous. Thick yeah. He's just broad shoulders, yeah. long arms, big head, big sure. feet. and that's how Blake Fisher is. And so that's but that's kind of the other thing is okay. Ultimately, the the, the other part of that caveat question is Vince is where do you ultimately see Blake Fisher's best position right. being?
1: Yeah. No. That's a good. Because if you see his best yeah. position ultimately
2: mm-hmm. being guard, and he's proven to be one of your better guys, then say okay, move him into move him into right guard, and then maybe you do with Tosh Baker what I was saying to do with Blake Fisher. So maybe with Josh Lug and Tosh Baker, you say at right tack, you say, okay, Josh is our starter, but every third or fourth series, we're going to put Tosh in there and give him some work. And then you let Blake battle for the right guard position. I mean, that's where there's, there's a lot of things that could happen. So when I say, this is my ideal line, I think we also need to also not be so stubborn that we've locked into our ideal lines and that's what it's going to be. And if it's not that, then they're screwing up. We got to let it develop. We got to let it, pan out i may think yeah, tosh absolutely. baker should be the guy at right tackle but by the end of spring tosh baker may be like no nah, i got this left thing locked down we don't know that yet but that's what that's the whole point of this conversation is it's super early and there's gonna be change and maybe zeke Karell isn't ready to play center maybe he needs to be a guard maybe andrew kristofic the light goes on at center and he's so good at center that you're like well maybe we she moves zeke somewhere and let him we don't have an idea we have no idea what's going to happen in these next 10 practices so that's why i say that's my uh, ideal lineup now but we will address this again after the blue gold game. oh you know we will <laughs> <You> know? <laughs> and, yeah and we'll address this in in the fall, fall camp because <laughs> i do think there's still a lot of i mean let's put it this way my ideal lineup that i wrote down is written in pencil and i wrote it softly it's <laughs> easy to erase <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes 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 no
1: that's great so one of the things we like to do is we like to make some some predictions, mm-hmm. uh, Brian. So I want to give me give me a prediction on the offensive line uh, that may be something we haven't talked about yet.
2: That we haven't talked about yet. I mean, well, I think I, mean, covered to everybody. Be so yeah, I you're right. It doesn't have to be that. As I said that, I realized
1: I backed myself into a corner on what I was going to say. So uh, just a prediction on the offensive line.
2: Yeah, I I think my prediction is going to be, and it's not exactly a bold one, I think Blake Fisher is going to make it to the case to the coaches like, hey, you have to play me. You you can justify not wanting to play a freshman all you want, which is uh, the offensive line is still a position, Vince, where I advocate for freshmen not playing. But sometimes there's that unique case. And this is a unique case, too, because you said, well, Quentin Nelson didn't play as a freshman. Well, you know, that's was a different situation. You know, Quentin Nelson came to Notre Dame. They had veteran players. They had Nick Martin. They had Matt Hegarty. They had Christian Lombard. They had a lot of veteran players. And, you know, he, he was making a transition from tackle to guard. This is a little different situation where. They don't have a bunch of returning starters coming back. Oh, and Steve Elmer was coming back too. And remember, That's Steve right. Elmer played as a freshman, started yes. several games as a freshman. So yeah, right. There was a lot more of a proven. Ex- I mean, if Blake Fisher would have enrolled in twenty twenty, we would be having a different conversation. Absolutely, because there he, would be no spot. There, there's be, a ceiling. He he's, he's gonna right. hit. I mean, right. Just- like he's not beating out Tommy Kramer and Robert Hansey and and Aaron right. Banks and and Liam Eikenberg. He's walking in at the perfect time. Yeah. He's gonna play this year. Now, whether he starts or whether he's a rotation guy, sure, you know, every other series, or whether he just they just work him in from time to time. Maybe they put him in a goal line package or something like that. At some point in time, Blake Fisher is just gonna be too good not to play. Now, whether that's against Florida State or in you know October, November, I don't know. But Blake Fisher's going to play this year. So again, not a bold prediction. Hey, sure. my number one recruit in the class is going to play as a freshman. Oh wow, you know, no way, way to go, on there. there, Driscoll. Yeah, uh-huh. you know. But that—that's the to me that's the most obvious one at this point. I mean, and it also speaks to just how little we know about all those other positions.
1: Well, that's true too, because we're, we're going off of our you know very limited amount that we can see and what we've been told uh, as well. I'm I'm kind of changing mine up a little bit just based on our conversation today uh i'm gonna go and i'm gonna say that dylan gibbons wins the left guard spot i i maybe it's the name dylan maybe it's just the fact that i feel like he's been around for a while and he's worked hard and the fact that you led with we're hearing really good things about dylan gibbons fighting Mm -hmm. and wanting that job that i don't know why that gets me excited uh, but it does i i'm, I'm i think it's because
2: you always like that underdog story i, I mean do. you know he was a three-star recruit he's yeah. kind of buried in the depth chart and you know just some people even said it's even going to be brought back for a fifth year he's battled injuries i, I it's a good story it's a great know? story and, yeah and he's a tough mean kid i mean that's the thing is that's Dylan's, what i want as a guard though Dylan that, like, is to the guard position what kurt heinish is to the nose tackle position sure. from an attitude standpoint we're yes. almost like hey man you know chill out with the te- cheap shot you know chill the whistle blew, brother <laughs> this is your teammate, you know, uh, and that's kind of how Kurt Heinisch is a nose tackle. It's like, hey, man, same team, man. You right. know, uh, I kind of want that, that from my guards, but, though. But you see, know what if I mean? Kurt Heinisch isn't that way, he doesn't play. Exactly. It's kind of like that scene from Rudy. You know, hey, you need to tone it down. Like, if I tone it down, I'm not here anymore. You know, right. and that's, that's the thing. Exactly right. If Kurt, if Kurt Heinisch tones that down, then, right. then you're taking away what makes him as effective as he is, despite yep. the fact he doesn't have the size, athleticism, and all the other traits that you really look for in a Notre Dame nose tackle. But he's a really good player because he doesn't think he doesn't, doesn't have those tools. He thinks he's the best dang player out there and he's going to go, he's going to have that edge to him.
1: Absolutely. And I, I think and Dylan I, I, has I, a little excited. bit of
2: that at guard. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, do.
1: I, I so. like that little bit of dog in a guard. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I You're playing in the middle, you know, you're going up against linebackers, you know, nose tackles. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I like that fight in a guard. So
2: as long as it's not crossing the line and getting you penalties, completely agree
1: with that. <laughs> completely agree with that. So, that's going to be my bold prediction. I, I think Dylan Gibbons is going to win that job. So, uh, wait, that wait, actually is yeah. a little
2: bit more of a bold prediction than, you know, the five star right tackle, number one player in the class is going to start yeah, right. Tackle we'll see. Well, whatever. Maybe it's not going to start, but it's going to play. So, yeah. it would been more bold if I'd have said Blake Fisher is going to start this year. But that's I just, true. I'm not ready to put that kind of pressure on him or hype on him just yet. Yeah, but absolutely. I have had people tell me that. I've had people that have been at practice tell me he's gonna start it right. He's gonna start it that's right. crazy.
1: I mean good and, crazy, but yeah. just wow, he yeah. must really and, and it's be not doing something. and
2: it's not about the other guys are struggling. It's not, it's sure. just man, that you know I how it is. That, you, though. you can just see a guy and be like, Hey, that dude's different. You, you know, like and you first well, time you see Hain- a guy, like it
1: yeah, it reminds me of Robert Hansey when he was a freshman. You know what I mean? Yeah. He just came in and he forced like, himself that, onto the yeah. field
2: yeah but what i what i mean is like there's just some guys you just look at and you say that dude plays the game at a different level than everybody else that guy's got that that guy's got something special i mean even though he didn't play as a freshman you just even with quentin nelson you just kind of knew you heard enough stories from people at that time that like yeah this kid didn't play but he's gonna be he's gonna be really good you know he's gonna be a a, he's a he's special you heard (laughs) that immediately with quentin nelson he just had to learn the position sure and but and that's kind of how it is with Blake. It's like there's just something different about that kid. That he has some things you can't teach. You know, you can't teach his size and length, and then that combination of athleticism that comes with it. You know, it's like with Blake Tosh Baker. You can't teach six eight with really long arms and a right. kid who was a pretty nifty low post score in basketball. You just can't teach those things, and so I think that's why. Those two players more than any others sort of entice you because they just have those things that you're like, yeah, I want that in my lineup, <laughs> you know. And now, now we'll see if they're able to to lock it down and prove that they have the the ability to cons- play consistently. Because talent and upside doesn't work in the offensive line if it's not consistent. Absolutely, because that's that's that gets you beat. That gets your quarterback drilled. That, that I mean, you just you mm. need some consistency there. I'll, that's the one position in football where I'd take the lesser talented player. That I know can at least get the job done, snap after snap. Then the dominant player who's going to blow you up two snaps and then get beat two snaps. That that's just for, maybe that's just a former quarterback in me talking. Yeah, no, I get that. I know that. that the quarterback's the brunt of the the mistakes more often than not. Sure, but that's just kind of how I feel. And, and other positions, I don't feel that way. But offensive line, uh, I'm I'm much more there. There's a level of consistency is needed. You have to get to a certain level of consistency before I can cons- seriously say. That you you need to be battling for a starting job.
1: Either way, it's going to be fun to watch this group. Yeah. And there's going to be four new numbers out there uh, that weren't starting a year ago, and uh, I'm really interested to watch just kind of the maturation process of these guys and and where they end up and where the coaches think that mm-hmm. they're going to be the most effective because they're the ones that get to see the hundred plus snaps. Uh, we we do not mm-hmm. uh, at this point. So hopefully, I've got my fingers crossed that we're going to see some fall camp, Brian. i have mm-hmm. I'm hoping I'm hoping we get to see some fall camp because that's when that's when all the decisions really start to get made. And that's when we get to really see some good stuff. But that doesn't take away from what they're doing in the spring. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, again, there's six yeah, the, the work is going
2: on, whether we can see it or not. You got the work, that right. The works
1: being put in no matter whether we can see it or not. There's you got no that doubt. right. So that's going to do it for this edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. Brian, uh, thanks for joining me today. Make sure everybody checks out irishbreakdown.com because there's been some good stuff uh, going up there lately on spring practice and and kind of the stuff that Brian's hearing. Uh, Make sure that you subscribe on our YouTube channel, hit that notification button, and of course, wherever you get your podcasts. So for Brian Driscoll, he's the publisher. I'm Vince D'Addario. I am the football analyst, and we will talk to you next time on the Irish. Breakdown Podcast.